Hello and welcome to Lit, a podcast for combating burnout. I'm your host, Kate Newberg, and this is episode 14, Locating Perfection. I have a quick announcement before I jump in. I am launching something called the Heartwork Community Forum on my website, and that should be up within the next week. Um, so keep an eye out for it. But this is going to be a, a for a community of people who are coming together with the same types of questions that I'm talking about and answering on this podcast. So it's um, it's going to be people who have questions about how to bring their heart to work, how to walk that balance between getting a paycheck and loving what they do, how to work on the inner self to make your life a better um, manifest in a better way. Um, and all about, you know, just how to, how to have these questions answered, or if you have revolutionary ideas you want to put on there, that is coming to you on www.deeppractices.com within the next week. So I will be sure to announce that when it's up, but please go ahead um, if you go to the website, you can sign up for the mailing list and you'll get those updates right away. So um, that's a, that's just a quick plug before we get started. Um, we have a really interesting episode today and um, it came from one of my dearest friends who is a new physician. He's through residency um, and he took on a job at a, at a hospital and he had a really aching question for me. Um, my guess is that this question is going to take more than one episode to answer um, because I have a bunch of notes and I just got through just part of the question. So, um, but he, he asked, he said, I want to be a paragon of health for my patients, but I don't have the time, energy, or resources to feel like I'm doing it justice. And this gives me a lot of cognitive dissonance. Okay, I'm going to let that question sit for a second. I feel like that question drives to the heart of burnout. And I'm going to take a lot of care in answering it, which is why it's probably going to take multiple episodes. <laughs> um, I want to start with maybe and maybe what what will feel to you like a like a strange segue, but I want to start at kind of a deeper level, kind of something that's that I feel like is flowing underneath this question and something I've been wrestling with is where do we locate this so-called problem? Right? This problem of disengagement or burnout um or feeling like there isn't enough time. Where do we locate this problem? And what I mean by that is um, Parker Palmer, and I've, I've mentioned this quote before, but it's so powerful. I want to bring it up again. And actually I'm going to be paraphrasing it, but he says to give in, or I'm not quite sure how he phrases it, but something like to give in to the pressures of the external world is to admit that the outer world is more powerful than the inner world. And that's a really powerful quote. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about it because of this proposal I'm writing with a colleague of mine for a, um, a conference we want to attend. And we're looking at teachers. We're looking at how early career teachers manage their stress. And we're trying to figure out if there's certain techniques or characteristics um, that help a teacher, one teacher manage stress better than another. 
right? And we're, you know, if there's things like, oh, a good attitude toward their job or resilience, if this helps them manage stress. But then the other part to that question is, are we just exhorting people to live in untenable circumstances, right? If we, if we can just say, well, you know, burnout or disengagement or stress or whatever is just a personal problem and you just need to um, figure yourself out, then are, what, are, what are, we, are we really kind of absolving the larger systems that we're in of their, the violence that they're doing to us? And so this is, this is part paradox, part um, sequence in my head, because I, f- I think it's both. I think that our circumstances often will put us up against what John Wellwood calls our rough edges. And he's a quick note, amazing writer. He re- actually writes about relationships. Um, but the more I, the more I look into this stuff, the more I see that relationships especially intimate ones are just a concentrated form of the world that we're in. (laughs) So if you do work in one, you're doing work in all the others. So don't worry. But I, but I think about, um, this, this fact that our circumstances bring us up, bring us up against our own rough edges, but they're also telling us something about our environment, right? Our, our reactions to our environment are, are also, we need to listen to those and look at the environment around us because we have, we have, there's research that shows we have sensors all over our body that react to environment. And we don't just have physical, we have energetic sensors um, and we have spiritual sensors that react to what, to what's going on around us. So it's both. Um, It's both. It's both that, that this, um, that our, that there, that our attitude, and I'll go into this more um, later, but our attitude toward the world our, and our inner state definitely affect our health and the way um, that we experience the world. But then we also want to validate that our reactions to the external world are giving us a message about the type of situation, the type of context we're in. So it's both. Um, I will say that fr- that I, I believe, and I think Parker Palmer has also I go to him a lot when I have these questions, but he has an amazing essay about um, where all of this starts. And he says that all the biggest movements in the world have started with people who have done the inner work first. And so, and that's also the place where you right now have the most control. So I'm going to focus a lot on that right now. Um, And it's from that place of strength. If you do this inner work, if you address your rough edges, it's from that place of strength that you can have a ripple effect on your environment. And on the people around you, um, but if you're just reacting um, to what's going on without having addressed what is happening inside of you, um, it's it's not going to have quite the same effect. So um, this a lot of the it's this beautiful word in um, in in Hinduism. There's a there's a goddess called Lakshmi. And she is uh, known to have um, another one of her names is Shri, and Shri is this almost this emanation of rightness or emanation of strength. It's something deeper than confidence. It's something deeper than than it's something that emanates from your deepest self. That is a rightness, a belief in yourself and in what you're saying and what you're doing. And it's that inner work that helps you build 
and, and access that shree. And that shree is the thing that when you have it, when you walk with it, it's like you're shining wherever you go. And it shines, it's almost like shining a light on the environment around you that helps other people see um, both what is possible and also maybe what are some of the things that need to change about the environment. So I'm not saying don't change the environment at all. I'm saying we got to do the inner work first. So um, one of the things I want to address is this, this idea of, of cognitive dissonance. I'm just going to break off the last piece of that question um, about cognitive dissonance because um, it's kind of like chipping away at the outside before I get to the meat of this question, which is about the time and energy and resources to take care of yourself. Um, but I think this cognitive dissonance, we're actually feeling this below the level of our brain, below the level of our thoughts. Um, and one of the reasons we have cognitive dissonance is that our brain is not designed to hold paradoxes. Um, and the more I do this work, the more I, I do this spiritual work, the more I see how what a, what a limited tool our brain actually is. And I'm, this is coming from someone who got their PhD. I'm not like, um, you know, I'm not just saying, forget your brain. Like it, it's not going to work. Your brain is a, is a beautiful tool, uh, but it's not going to have the answers to these questions you're seeking. So one of the reasons I think um, that you might be feeling cognitive dissonance is that your brain isn't designed to handle these questions. Um, and you, and it's, and you need to go somewhere deeper for the answers. So, um, we try to solve things with our brain. Um, that's our first instinct, uh, because oftentimes our brain is the thing that ha it has answers to, um, a lot of the practical questions of life. Um, but when you're asking questions like this, your brain is not going to help you. In fact, your brain is probably going to get in the way. So, um, so I think it's I think it's important to acknowledge this idea of cognitive dissonance right now because that is happening. You're scrambling your brain with this type of question, and your brain isn't gonna isn't gonna be the thing that helps you. So um, I thought that was a really important thing to mention. I'd like to move on into the next part of this question, which is the what the framing, the framing of the question, and it's. It's the first line, I want to be a paragon of health for my patients. And I feel the ache in this because I, I can feel that. And I, and I can feel what, what it brings me back to is my first year of teaching when I wanted to be the perfect role model for my students. Um, and I was exhausted and I was stressed out and I didn't feel like I could reach them. And I was, I was just aching about it. I just want to sit for a second in that, right. That I, that for a second, instead of doing anything about it, instead of suggesting, instead of giving advice, just allow the ache of this question to be for a second. Um, We go into these professions because we want to help people. We go into these professions of teaching, of healthcare, all of them, social work, all of these professions that give back to society because we want to help people. And there's something in this question that's really, really wise 
Um, because we know that we can't help people if we're not living our values. I want to be a paragon of health for my patients. I want to be, when they come in, I want them to see what health looks like, right? Um, because there's a, there's a desire of authenticity there. There's a, a real ache of, of, need, of needing and wanting to live into the values that you're trying to espouse for, your, for the people who come to you for help. Um, and there's something really beautiful about that desire. And I want to I want to acknowledge that. And if you're listening to this and you're not in a helping profession, like technically, right? This question is still applicable. You want to be a role model for those around you, a parent, leaders, um, anyone, like right, a friend. We want to. We want to be role models for those around us. We want to be that light that they can brush up against in their lives. And the problem that I see is that when you frame, when you phrase the question like this, I want to be a paragon of health for my patients, you've already failed. Because what it feels like we're doing in this framing is locating perfection somewhere outside of ourselves. It's like perfection is this thing that I'm not. It's this thing so far beyond where I am right now. And Again, going back to the first the first part of this um, podcast, it's it's definitely not saying you shouldn't improve, right? Or seek to improve. I I don't even like that word. I think seek to manifest a vision that you want for your life, right? It's a change is a great word because change is um, there's no judgment associated with change, right? I'm not saying that you shouldn't change. I'm saying that we should try a different approach to this vision setting. Oh, shoot, hang on. 